Today, you'll meet my husband, Brian. This podcast is being aired on October 19th, 2021. Today, we are celebrating 25 years of marriage, and I asked him to share his perspective on what it is like to support someone on their grief journey. My Permission To program will begin on October 25th. It's all about finding permission to be you. After loss, our identity changes. It's time to focus on what matters to you and be intentional with your time and energy. Please visit my website for more information. You can find that along with my email in the show notes. If you are enjoying the podcast, please remember to leave a rating and review. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Although today I do not have a daughter without a mom, today I have my husband, Brian, here with me. So this podcast is being published on October 19th, 2021, which happens to be our 25th wedding anniversary. So I asked him if he'd be willing to share a little bit about his um, perspective of the grief journey with me, through me, and also, you know, his own that he's had experience with over the past 25 years that we've known each other. So um, he has graciously said yes to being here today, to sharing some of his thoughts um, with you and with us and with me for the first time. So thank you for being here today. My pleasure. <laughs> now you sound like a Chick-fil-A worker. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, That's, so this that sounds good. <laughs> yes, so this is just going to be funny because um, we're going to try to keep this professional, but I'm just going to, you know, put the uh, put the warning out there now that um, Brian likes to have a lot of fun and has influenced me in the same way to have a lot of fun. So uh, while we are, you know, having a serious conversation here today, there might be some humor in this in it as well, which is which is always good. So. So I just wanted to start off by, I mean, so we met, we actually met 28 years ago. Um, I was 23, Brian was 21. I'm just going to go ahead and say it in case he was going to try to say it somehow that I am two years older than he is. Um, and so I just often think back to like, you know, when we met and we're getting to know each other, do you remember me telling you at all about mom? And like, what were your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, before I even start that happy anniversary, honey, it has been a wild and crazy 25 years. Yes, it has. Um, and it does seem like um, it just started yesterday in some ways, and it seemed like it started 50 years ago in some ways. All good. I don't mean anything negative by, by that, but um, it just flies by. It is amazing how I'm sitting here 25 years later. Um, your question was, do I remember you telling me about your mom? And do you mean specifically about your mom or about the fact that you that you didn't have a mom, yeah. a live mom? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, just that about losing her, you know, at a young age and. <sighs> yeah, so um, maybe I should step back just a second to say that um, when I met you, I was, if I'm completely honest, I was, actively seeking a wife I wasn't I was done dating I had dated plenty of women and I I'm going to say I won't say women I've dated plenty of girls 
Um, and I think I was at a point in my life where I knew that I wanted to find Mrs. Wright. And so um, I think what I remember about you telling me about not having a mom probably took that whole idea to another level. Like, wow, she lost her mom at a young age. Um, I think, as you know, what attracted me to you from the very beginning was your independency, which I've come to realize is something that's <laughs> difficult to deal with. <laughs> but it completely was something right from the very beginning that I was like, wow, this is not just some girl. This is like somebody who's got it put together at such a young age. And so, I don't know, the idea of you losing your mom at such a young age and then just your independent lifestyle, to me, that kind of just is like a whole nother level of like, this is a serious chick here. So that's probably what I remember more. I, I don't remember you telling me a whole lot about her, mm -hmm. but, um, but maybe that was me not listening. Maybe it was just, I kind of, sometimes I think when we first met, I kind of, probably looked at you a lot with my mouth open like uh <laughs> I was just gonna um, say I think when you're young and you're just getting to know each other you're getting to know the whole person you know like I mean we were we we didn't know each other at all and so we were getting to know each other fully and wholly and so yeah I think that that was one aspect that probably could have gotten it could have gotten lost in the shuffle because we had a lot of learning to do I but I think it also made you more interesting to me hmm. I don't know. There was this part about that that was like, wow. Mm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So my second question was, like, do you remember any specific instances then since then, since you and I now have, um, you know, years of time together of me expressing grief about my mom to you? Yes. And, and they're, and when it happens, it's always, I don't know, I guess I'm overwhelmed with sadness too. So maybe I should back up again a second too and just explain that um, while Beth has lost every single family member, I have lost none. Um, I mean, other than a grandmother dying at the age of 95 and a grandfather dying at the age of 89 in my direct family, it's just, I haven't, I haven't, experience that loss. I'm also not, I don't think I'm, I'm oblivious to the idea of loss. Um, uh, I've been close to a number of people. I was really close with my grandfather when he died. Uh, my grandmother, I walked into the room probably 30 seconds after she passed. Um, so it's not that, and I've had, you know, a very, very very good friend at a young age die suddenly of a heart attack. So it's not like I haven't experienced it, but, um, but for me, my, my family has, is still living and healthy and, um, and I have a good relationship with them. And, and so um, when I, when you share with me um, those times where it's real, where you're really struggling with it, I, I, I don't know, maybe because I'm so close to you, I sympathize with it pretty well. Like I'm, I empathize with you and I, and 
Yeah, I think the things that the, the times where I remember that are times I'm going to say of um, I've heard these words come out of your mouth. I miss my mom. I, I just would love to ask her a question. And, and there's questions that no one else on this planet could answer other than your mom. Um, I can't imagine as a daughter going to your wedding day without your mom being there. And, and that, that, I don't know, that makes my heart ache when I think about that. Um, when your children were born um, and those times where this new thing of motherhood, of things that are completely new that you just don't understand and maybe the only other person that could fill that, fulfill that would be your stepmother or my mom, two people you don't really want to hear that stuff from. Um, mm -hmm. You want to hear it from your own mother. Um, I don't know. I probably, it makes me, it makes my heart ache right now thinking of those times. And I remember specifically um, times when you've been really, really, really down where um, I'm like, man, what's wrong? And it's like, I just wish my mom was here to, to talk to her and ask her, you know, ask her how to deal with this. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of times that's happened. A lot of times it's like lots and lots of little instances. And I think, I guess I would think even sitting here right now, every made, every major and, you know, majors kind of a perspective thing, but every major in, incident that you go through from your kids graduating high school to, you know, I think again, when, when our kids get to that marriage point, um, graduation from college, whenever everybody gets together and, and, um, and she's not there and now your dad's not there and now your sister's not there. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are the times. So, you know, specifically what were they? I mean, there's a whole bunch of them, but um, it's kind of the same underlying theme of just a whole. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, and I am blessed with a beautiful mother-in-law, you know, your mom accepted me from day one as I was um, and accepted me wholly and that I have Becky, you know, my stepmother, but there is just something about, you know, your mom is just that source of supposed to be because not, not not all women have this from their moms either but she was supposed to be that source of unconditional love you know that that disney fairy tale picture in your head of that you know your mom is the one that has all the answers and the one that you can go to with those things that you need so um yeah it has it has been a big loss and it does come with different seasons of life it doesn't matter that she's been gone for 38 years it still rears its head and comes back um but uh, I would say one of the things, so what Brian was alluding to when he was saying about how he was attracted to my independence when we got married, it's funny how those things after 25 years end up being the thing that annoyed the bejesus out of you, out of your spouse, that I know that that has annoyed him because I also know part of that process of being a daughter without a mom and being that, that girl who seemed like she had it all together at 23 years of age was that. I kept a lot of things at a distance, you being one of them. And I would say for me, one of the gifts from all this loss, and I think, you know, now that I am the only living, living person left from my family of origin, is that I'm learning how to 
let down that wall a little bit more and, and let you in. And then I don't always say when he asks me what's wrong and you get the nothing, which means something, nothing doesn't mean nothing. And I know, I know that, that. I know that I have to ask three times. <laughs> I know that when I say what's wrong, cause I know something's wrong that I'll get nothing. And then I know when I ask the second time I'll get nothing. And I know that after the third time, maybe I'll get somewhere. Sometimes I almost feel like I have to be a little angry with you before you're like, all right, I'll let you in. You. <laughs> have you seen any improvement in that area? Let's move to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this the part where I'm supposed to lie and say yes? No, no. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, maybe the the improvement I've seen is there's this self-recognition in you because you always study everything and study yourself. There's this, I don't know that it's improved. What's improved is that you recognize that you're doing it. Okay, I know I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll take that because in my eyes, it has seemed like that that I am improving it, that I'm letting my guard Yeah, that's definitely improving, yes. That I'm, that, I'm, that I'm letting you in a little bit closer um, to these things, which there's no, you know, there's not anything really that I'm hiding. But I think after all this time, I've realized that that was my self-defense mechanism yeah Absolutely. that if I didn't yeah. if I didn't get too close to anybody that they weren't going to leave me and leave me you know leave me alone like like a lot of my family members have and I think that's what you do when you've dealt with grief um in so many different instances so um but I'm working on it and I do recognize it so <laughs> thanks for continuing to walk this with me um, so then, so we were married for quite a long time. Um, my dad actually had quadruple bypass surgery the year before we got married, Brian and I were dating then. Um, but he had quadruple bypass surgery. And so his health wasn't great, but his death was unexpected. Um, he and my stepmother were actually out the night before, and then she found him the next morning and he had died. So that was a whirlwind kind of thing. Um, and before I say too much more about it, I just want to say, like, what was your what was your perspective on that? What was that like in your eyes? Yeah. So I remember you calling me screaming over the phone to a point where I couldn't even understand what you were saying. Um, and I think that was probably the most upset I've ever seen you, like most hysterically upset that I'd ever seen you. And man, there's been a lot of crap that you've been through. So for that to be like, so yeah, just your reaction to that, I think kind of um, tells the tale a little bit. Um, that was such a strange time because we had this family vacation planned to the shore. Um, kids are at that point where they're, you know, off in different ways. So to pull every, everybody and everything together felt like it was monumental. And then all of a sudden get this phone call. And, um, and then like, so how do you react to that? Like five hours away in Las Vegas is where they lived. And um, kids were planning on going to the shore. And so, you know, vacation time, work time, all that stuff is all figured out. And I, I get like this uneasy feeling about like, I think I did that all wrong. I think I should have like, so Beth insisted that 
she just fly out because she didn't know what any arrangements were going to be. It was too far away that I wouldn't come out. Maybe I would come out later. And um, in hindsight, I guess I kind of wish I would have just, without saying anything, jumped on a plane and gone and surprised her there. But I also felt like she had everything kind of figured out a little bit in her head as to the way that she thought things should go. And yeah, so it was a weird, weird, weird time because um, I was with the kids at the Jersey Shore going to the beach and you were in Las Vegas trying to make plans for a funeral that I don't think we ever really talked about or it seemed like there was a lot that was not planned or you had ideas of how things were going to go and maybe they went a little bit differently. And um, so in some ways it was kind of odd because I just feel like it, we were, the rest of us were almost non-existent in the whole process, um, which is strange. It's really strange. Mm-hmm. Um, so somewhat disconnected, I would say, mm-hmm. is the way I felt. Um, I had a decent relationship with your dad I think (laughs) (laughs) um the best dad was like a silent mumbler I would say a little bit what he would share you had so I and I don't think this is a I have this hearing loss issue a little bit um but I don't think it was a matter of my hearing loss I think it was this thing where He was just really, really quietly confident is the way I probably would put him. And so if there's one thing I learned from him more than anything, I I kind of feel like the way you get, if you, if you want to demand attention, the way you get attention is you get louder. You know, maybe I'm kind of like, uh, I don't know, one of these birds you see on the discovery channel where you spread your feathers out, you make yourself look bigger and you get louder and that's how you demand attention. What I think I learned from him is there's another way to demand attention. That's to talk so quietly that everybody has to lean completely into what you're saying. Um, Kind of a very, very intelligent person. I mean, his whole life story was pretty amazing. Um, And kind of that's just, you know, if he wasn't going to go out of his way to impress you, you were going to be impressed by him and you were going to be impressed by him because he was going to be really, really quiet and you were going to have to lean into him. He wasn't going to lean into you. Um, but I feel like through all that, I had a good relationship with him. There's this, I don't know, maybe this societal expectation I had that I needed to, to impress him as a son-in-law that, you know, that I needed to win his daughter over from him, but I don't, I never really got that from him. Like, I know, I, I know I called him before I proposed and I remember saying to him, I'm not calling you to ask your permission. I'm calling you to tell you that I'm going to marry, that I want to ask your daughter to marry you. But I also would like your permission. And I think his response was, I don't know, you want to marry her, marry her. <laughs> like it was like that simple. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, um, time that we were, that we spent together, which wasn't a lot just because of physical distance with, with where we lived. Um, he and I had this love for the ocean in common, which was, we never really talked about, but we both lived our, our, our oceanic love out in different ways, but very similar ways, but similar ways, but not together. And 
rarely together. Like, you know, I think, boy, you know, it would have been great to take him out fishing on the boat, but I don't know. He might've been not impressed with the little rinky dinky boat we were fishing on. He might've wanted something bigger. And, um, but I remember, you know, the one time we went down to Fort Myers and he, um, and I said, well, we're, we're getting there on Friday. I'm going to jump on a boat and fish for 36 hours. I'll see you on Sunday. He, All right, let me get a cooler for you. And we loaded a cooler in the back of his Cadillac, mm-hmm. put a cooler on the leather seats of his Cadillac to drop me off at the boat to have him pick me up a couple of days later and throw the cooler back in the back of the Cadillac with a bunch of fish in it. <laughs> and I think he was pretty content to know that we caught some pretty cool fish. And um, so, yeah, um, um, that's probably a little bit more than what your question was, was, you know, more about what, when he died, but I don't know. I don't, I still don't think about him so much of his death as I think more about, I don't know when he was alive. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everything you said about his funeral was correct, but it also was in some ways um, in my point of, from my point of view was a way to allow me to be able to be fully present and there for my dad's service. Um, You know, my sister and I were there together. My stepmother was there. Her daughters were there. Really the only other people that came were my dad's um, sisters um, and it, I think there was 10 people at his funeral and that's kind of the way, the kind of person that my dad was, was that he was just very private and very, um, you know, his social circle was, was very small. So I think in our point of, in our mindset at that time, it was that, you know, this is a way we're going to do this to honor dad and also to honor ourselves in this process. But I, I agree with you in hindsight, I look back on it, but you know, we were dealing with what we could at the time and we had kids at way different ages. It wasn't like you could have left the three of them at the shore by themselves for a whole week. Um, and I know your parents would have helped, but we had friends coming and stuff. And it was just kind of like the perfect storm of events in time um, with that whole process. But I do have to say, when I think about my three losses of family members, I think my dad is the one that I um, kind of pretend that it's not true with the most because he lived five hours away and, and I didn't see him much anyways. Um, I think sometimes I still pretend that he's, uh, that he's still there. So, so uh, yeah. So let's move on to Amy. <laughs> uh, like that's not going to get me any less emotional, right. but oh, well. um, yeah. The walk with Amy was, you know, um, her last nine, 10 months of her life was actually here in our area. So we got to spend, a whole lot of time together. As I've mentioned before, she passed right here in our home um, on hospice with her, her husband and her daughter here as well. Um, and that, that um, so what was your, what was your experience like with that? And you had your own experience of grief with Amy because you and Amy were close. And then you had your experience of watching me go through the loss of my sister. So tell us a little bit about your, your perspective of that hmm. well first of all um yeah uh amy and me um the one thing that uh, I, i'm just gonna this is probably not the kind of thing i should say on the eve of our anniversary but amy sometimes when beth was not being so nice to me i'd say amy was sometimes almost kind of like my um 
I feel like she was in, she was on my side a lot between you and me, (laughs) which, which I absolutely loved. I hate to say it. I absolutely love because sometimes with this whole, um, I want to say that I wonder if Amy and was the same way to Frank with the, the independency maybe as you and I are, but then, so then Amy could let me in a little bit more because she could understand that independency thing. And I have to say so many times where like um, you and I would be like arguing, not, not angrily argue, but arguing over something like, and I have to say like at the, at the heart of it was your independency where you wouldn't let me in or a little bit. She would kind of be like looking over your shoulder, like, you know, egging me on or like encouraging me to keep on going or something like that. And I don't know how much you knew that was going on. I think you understood it a little bit, but um, and then her and I just had this very similar um, viewpoints about a lot of things from religion to politics. So, so there was so many times where Bess like, all right, I can't listen to this anymore. And she would just go to bed, not because she didn't want to hear it because she was tired of it. And Amy, and I would sit there until two o'clock in the morning, still talking about stuff. And we both could probably talk ourselves to sleep, but neither one of us could fall asleep. So we'd keep on going. And that was good. That was, um, I, I certainly enjoyed that. I enjoyed our time together. Um, um, the, yeah, her dying at our house is kind of this thing where we've described it as brutal, both brutal and beautiful. Um, and, and the more I think about it and the more I would think on it, the more, um, I really, really appreciate, like, I almost feel honored in a way. Mm-hmm. that she wanted to be at our house mm-hmm. like like honor I think honor is the right word um Beth and I talked about it I actually hustled to get this bathroom done that she would be able to use so she could come even more knowing that things were progressing yet we never talked about things progressing and it's so weird how I feel like we all had individually had this sense her included of where things were going and how quickly they were going there yet we never talked about it. You and I, Beth and I talked about it. Um, Like I remember saying to Beth at one point, I think your sister wants to die here. And, um, and I, and I remember saying, I think you should talk to her about it. And I know that you didn't talk to her about it. (laughs) Yet it seemed like you did because of the way that everything progressed. And I know that she told her daughter that, Thursday that we have to get back to Brian and Bess. And I know that she was telling Jennifer that we had to get back there because she needed to be here because the end was, was soon. And I don't know, there's like, again, it's like an honor, but um, the relationship I had with her prior to that, um, I think, first of all, I have to say that um, watching cancer, um, take somebody I don't feel like cancer took her I feel like she got this diagnosis and she lived she didn't spend 10 years dying of cancer she spent 10 years living with cancer and I kind of feel like when you when she got that diagnosis 
the important things became really important and the unimportant things kind of fell to the wayside. And I feel like I benefited greatly from that relationship with her in which BS was BS. There's no, we don't have time for that. Let's just stick to the really, really important stuff and the fun stuff and, and, and enjoy things. She enjoyed things like while she was going through some of the worst like treatments. And if I, and when you look at the list, you just scratch your head and I'm like, that's not the experience. I, I didn't, that I didn't, I didn't experience her going, I know she went through it all. And I know none of the stuff that she went through was easy, but at the same time, like I also watched her walk through that, like gracefully and like cheerfully and um, with lots of positive energy. And I kind of feel like that, um, I take so much from that. Like, how dare I have a bad day because things didn't go good at work or whatever. Like, come on, like get over it and just move on. And um, so I kind of feel like I learned an awful lot from that. I also gained, especially with Jennifer, just because Jennifer and I have always been pretty close. Her daughter, she's, her and I just gained a really, really, really close relationship. Yeah, I've I've totally enjoyed um that part of it too um but yeah watching 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 beth go through this another level of grief is not an easy thing either and i for sometimes i feel like a little bit like you haven't totally grieved that yet either yeah no i say that is that right yeah I mean, I, that's why I went to Daughters Without Moms, because mom's been 38 years, and that's more of a, they say you can't teach from a wound, it has to be a scar, and mom is a scar, but dad and Amy are both still wounds for me. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know that, boy, that's going to be a difficult one to, for that wound to close up and scar over, too. It may not. Because I know, because I know how, yeah, because it wasn't just that you guys were close as kids when when you lost your mom, but then you were close in your college years, you were close in your childbearing years, and you were close in your, you know, let, let's face it, your the kids are out of the kids are <laughs> we're no spring chickens, the kids are moving <laughs> on. Um, yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did um, I say too much. No, no, you didn't say too much. No. Um, but the the loss of Amy happened in January of 2020, and then the pandemic hit, and um, I kind of went through, um, you know, some life-challenging thoughts and ideas and things, and uh, went through this process of doing an online coaching class to kind of figure out what, what to do with, um, you know, my gifts and my talents and things, and that's how Daughters Without Moms came to fruition. Um, the social media accounts I started when I still had a part-time job. I didn't start the podcast until January of this year because I left my part-time job at the end of uh, 2020 to kind of go all in with this process. This process being the Daughters Without Moms accounts, the podcast. Um, I've done some things online, like a Mother's Day Circle and some, some programs I've run and stuff. But to be honest, it also has been a lot of my own grief journey processing and um, reading and writing and thinking and thinking some more and thinking some more. 
Um, so the, the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is just like, what have you learned about the process of me with this Daughters Without Moms thing and, and going to the, try to, try to be show up in this arena with people and for people. And, um, you have any things to share about that? <laughs> so it was, I, I mean, I, the, the, it's interesting because there's a couple that there's a couple layers there. So there's like the, the work layer. And um, I know that you've always enjoyed being a um, you've always enjoyed work and you've always enjoyed, you know, you're very task oriented and you like to get things done. And um, like one of my concerns from the beginning was, okay, is there enough here for you to actually keep yourself busy and feel good about and, you know, should you quit your job? There's the whole money part of things, which is always a little bit of an issue. But I don't think, I think we're, we're, we're not, we're, we're not overspenders and we're content. So I'm very proud of you for doing it. I'm, if I'm completely honest, I'm boastful sometimes of what you do. Um, I'm happy to contribute in the way that I continue to probably say, yeah, keep on doing this and make a way to do it. But other than that, I really don't have anything to do with it, which is your way, <laughs> which, which I'm, you know, it, it is what it is. I know that there's like, I try to support it. Like, um, you know, for, for like your birthday or for Christmas, I try to come up with some way, like, how can I give her something towards it? And I think the last gift I gave her was, um, you know, probably a set of like $250 ear headphones that are perfect for doing mixing and stuff. Yet I'm looking at her on my screen right now wearing like $4 earbuds. <laughs> She's yeah. like, ah, I don't need those. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and, a, and a $3 door hanger that said um, recording in progress. So that I am using that actually. So it's if on the you door. walk in the back door, but I think even when I have, you're like, what's this for? I'm like, so that I don't have to walk in the door and see a note laying on the floor that says I'm recording, be quiet. So mm. I try to like continually like put towards it a little bit, but I know that it's your thing and there's no, and there's no place for me in this. I mean, the reality is this is your thing and um, I, I, there's no place other than for me to support it, to be as supportive as I can. And um, I'm really proud of what you do with it. Um, I think what I've noticed is I think that it has been as much of a help to you. I've heard, I've listened to some podcasts, I've listened to stories and I'm, I'm blown away. And, and what I've taken from the few podcasts that I listened to is that this just reaffirmation that of something that I already know. And that is that everybody has their own walk and you have no idea what somebody's going through. No idea what, the average person walking down the street, everybody has a story. Most stories are not stories of fairy tale endings, but everybody has a story that has a lot of muck and crap to it. And, um, and you just don't know. And then when you start to think about that and the way people act and do things and you start to remember, hey, you know what? Like maybe their mom and their dad and their sister are all gone. And, and, you know, like it's just that to be reminded of that. And then what I think I've seen for you is um, I think that you've benefited as much as anybody that I've heard through this. Um, 
And maybe it's just the reaffirmation for you too of other people are going through this. I don't know a lot of people that have gone through the crap that you've gone through. And ironically, I feel like physically you haven't gone through a whole lot yourself. Like you haven't experienced cancer. You haven't um, been in a terrible accident or- Now you're chasing me. All right, knock on wood. But, um, but no, but like everybody around you has, and you've been left to deal with that all on your own. Um, so mentally and, and emotionally, and maybe even spiritually, you've been through the ringer. Um, but I don't know. I think this thing that you're doing is kind of, you, you, you've been a little bit of a different person since you've done, since you've started this. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, the stuff that would that would anchor and weigh you down at least there's a couple more links in the chain or something to get your head back above above water and maybe even cut the chain and say you know i'm not letting that hold me down like i think i've noticed that you know yeah it definitely has been i say that all the time that if um if it's helped anyone else just a fraction of what it's the support that it's provided for me then it has been time well spent um because it has just given me the time to think and reflect and to uh, focus on the things that are important and the tools that I can use to keep my head above water. Um, and so it has, it has been most certainly life-giving for me. So, so I want to say thank you to you for providing me the support to do that because not all husbands would be like that. Not all husbands would say, yeah, quit your job. Give it a shot. See how it works out. Well, not and, any of your other husbands, but this one would. <laughs> it's not, not, not all husbands would do that. And so I really, really thank you for that because I think it has been um, a huge positive part of my own journey. Um, and also, you know, for the past 25 years, thank you for supporting me through all those highs and lows that you've seen me go through, um, loving me through the thick and thin um, when I'm losing my mind and when I am not seeing any um, sort of hope. And I would say one of the things that I talk about often with you that I've seen with you growing with the grief journey is that I think it was with dad that sometimes I would be, you know, talking and lamenting to you and you would want to try to give me some advice and stuff. And I said, you know, sometimes I just need you to listen. I just, I just need to talk and I want you to listen. And I have seen several times where I can literally see the smoke coming out of your ears as you're grinding. Those wheels are grinding to a halt because you're like, don't say anything. Just listen, just listen. And I really, really appreciate that. Because I see you doing it. <laughs> I see you practicing it. And I know it's so you got to practice I'm it. Terrible it's not at natural. It I know. I'm so bad at it. What I usually do is I, I don't usually. So that's only really effective if you don't ever say it. Like whatever's on your mind. I just delay. <laughs> and sometimes that delay is as long as like a day. And then, I, but for a day, I'm like, yeah. After a day, I'm like, all right, I just got to get this off. <laughs> now I have to get this off my mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that I, I'm sorry that I'm a terrible listener. It's, it's no, I know. Honestly, it's a, I listening is like a gift and it's, yeah, I think I try, but I'm terrible at it. 
I'm terrible at it. Yeah. And it's not that I'm terrible. It's not that I don't listen. It's like, I listen, but like, I feel this need that I have to respond verbally in some way for you to understand that I'm hearing you, mm-hmm. not knowing that you like, you're looking at me. So you know that, you're, that I hear you. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. active listening. That's why I've always justified it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's mm-hmm. move on. Well, I have noticed that you're you're um practicing that muscle and I appreciate that. So so as we're wrapping up here, do you have any last bit of advice that you would share for other husbands out there supporting daughters without moms, daughters without dads, sisters without sisters? I wonder how many people are out there in the same boat as us. Like somebody who's lost everybody married to somebody who's lost nobody. Mm, like, I wonder, I wonder how rare that is. I have, I, it's gotta be rare. Hmm. I don't Interesting. know. Like, hmm. like, so from that point, it's like, what would I say? <laughs> you know, um, love is love. And if you love somebody, anything that bothers them bothers you. Um, I, I don't, I'm not much of a crier or an emotional person. But anytime you get upset about anything to do with your family, it's immediately gut-wrenching for me. So, but I don't know. I think that's just love. I don't think that's, I don't think that's um, anything like that I'm purposely trying to do or anything. It's just a reaction. One thing that that you and I talked about was, you know, um, that my mom had pointed out um, that that I have two brothers and each one of us married a daughter without a parent, Mm -hmm. which is, which is like, I don't know, again, to this whole thing that, so my mom, my mom brought that to my attention after my youngest brother got married. And um, I think she pointed it out. I forget where, what, what it was all about and where it was all about. She's like, you know, I often, she said to me, I often am just mesmerized that each one of my sons married a woman who didn't have a parent because my mom didn't have, my mom's dad died when she was three. So she never knew her dad. I don't know. And I think sometimes that that's, um, if you don't, if you don't believe in God, then this, then this doesn't, then this won't make any sense. But if you do believe in God, I think that that's, um, maybe a sign of a, a bigger plan for things. Um, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's that, that is a divine directive of some sort that I don't think I've never really talked to my brothers about it, but I don't think my brothers ever, we never had this discussion of like, Oh, Hey, you know, we got to find a, we got to find a girl that doesn't have a parent, <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of interesting that that happened. All right, Brian. Well, I appreciate you being here. Um, happy anniversary to you. Thanks for doing this with me. Life and this podcast and all of the above for the past 25 years. I love you lots. I love you too. And here's to 25 more. Woo-hoo. And we'll do something <laughs> really big. We'll do something big for our 50th. Okay. That's a deal. <laughs> all righty. Thanks again. All right. I love you. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. 
If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.